Radical Radio Collective. And you're on the Jeff and Dave show on the Radical Radio Collective today here on Eco Radio. Good afternoon, listeners. Now, Jeff, um, I've racked up this interview uh, with an uh, accomplished um, author uh, and eco activist, uh, you. Well, Dave, flattery will get you everywhere. My, I'm blushing appropriately. So you've you've written this book. Uh, it was it came out in February. I've only just seen it now, and I've seen it on the socials. Um, it's called Your Life, Your Planet: What You Can Do Right Now. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. So um, we've hit this period where everything is changing. COVID has affected our day to day lives, and there is no discussion anymore about whether climate change is going to happen or when it's going to happen or what it's going to be like. Yeah. The world is on fire. The hurricanes are bigger than ever. We've got the one in a thousand year floods that have just hit uh, Germany and China. And so we move from this mode where we're arguing about what we might do and what we should do to going, oh, swear word, what are we going to do? Yeah. And there's always been this tension between what you and I can do as individual human beings in our lives and what we need our governments and corporations and everybody who controls the trillions of dollars that start and end wars and so on can do. Yeah. And so either you focus on that big picture and as, you know, you um, go down the agitate educate organize model and the other reaction has traditionally been that you think about your power as a consumer or as a shareholder yes and i'm saying wait neither of those things is very effective as an individual human being what we need to do is what our last three guests have just talked about we need to start working together to build community and I was really inspired by a young woman by, called Kat Green, who wrote a chapter for a book on the future of food, who came up with this idea of, or was the first time I heard the phrase, the hub of production. Mm. And what she said is that, you know, as a young mid-twenties f- feminist, she'd always been a bit, not ashamed, but... Um, she hadn't felt that her love of cooking and making her own clothes and everything was very radical or very empowering. But when she started to think about what was actually happening in the food industry, she realised that if she made food and shared it, that she was actually unplugging from the whole consumer process. And she was starting to produce things. And so what the society that we live in does when it tries to turn us into consumers is makes us responsible for... We go out, we buy things, we bring them home, we tear off the wrapper, we throw it in our bin, we eat that food, we get the warm glow of that food, and then we switch on the telly and get the warm glow from that. But we are alienated individuals who receive all our sucker from the system. Mm. And what we have to do is break that, break that model and not rely on the system to feed us, to 
um, supply us with money to supply us with entertainment. And once we start doing that for ourselves, they, you know, we leave the system gasping for air. Yeah, well, if I can play journalist for a second here, um, you often see statements about how our individual carbon footprint is negligible uh, when there are 20 companies uh, responsible for one third of the carbon emissions. Now, you're saying that what we should be doing is creating these communities of uh, mutual sharing and um, responsibility and aid. Uh, And this book uh, basically gives all the practical elements of that uh, but covers uh, everything in your day-to-day. The other thing that it does, though, is it shows you visually what difference you're making. So if you... Um, say you look at the pip in the kitchen section about half filling your kettle with water, the size of the impact on your carbon target, the share of the um, carbon dioxide that's emitted per Australian by all of our activities is like a little pinprick in the target. It is Mm. so small it means almost nothing and that's the point that you are making. When we look at the amount of emissions that were released in 20 years of war in Afghanistan, for example, Example, which benefited no individual human on the planet. It's just a whole lot of mega Hurt corporate people. Some um, people getting yeah, rich. Yeah, bur- burning shit to make themselves rich, you know. That is clearly something that's out of our control and that we can't do anything about. So, yes, we have to stop war. Yes, we have to change government policy about um, where energy is going to come from. But that's not very easy for us as individuals to do. Whereas we can walk everywhere that we can, ride a bike everywhere we can, catch public transport everywhere that we can't ride to, and only use a car when those things don't work. Yeah, you're not not suggesting it's a silver bullet. You're suggesting that it's a uh, symbiotic uh, relationship with the activism, with the putting pressure on governments, putting pressure on companies, uh, deciding where you buy things based on how ethically they're sourced or made or uh, produced. And it's partly informed because I chose to try democratic politics as my way of influencing the big picture. And after 15 years working inside a political party, I decided that that was a very frustrating experience and so then I had to choose well do I go around throwing bombs and trying to change well not throwing bombs but you know do I be disruptive rather than participatory or um, do I engage in other ways and you know I had been informed by the notion that I needed to shine my light where it was darkest. So what is the biggest problem that we've got? I need to go there and shine my light on that. And so I thought that, you know, energy production, the politics of energy production was the thing that drove me from about 2000 onwards. And so I've spent a lot of time writing, broadcasting and thinking about the politics of energy. But after a certain amount of that time, I just realised, well, really, I need to shine my brightest light. 
and my brightest light is to be able to communicate, write and entertain. That's what I get the most joy from and the feedback I get is that's where I give the most joy. So if I can do those things as my way of connecting with people and if I can share the bread and the cakes I make and the food I grow and the, you know, help people fix up their broken appliances while I'm doing that, then I'm actually creating the world that I want to see, you know. Yeah, and you do shine bright like a diamond, but uh, taking it back to the individual, I find that I get uh, quite prone to uh, depression and anxiety about eco-related uh, climate change. Well, it's pretty dire. It is. It is. Uh, we've talked about it on the so- show uh, previously, these psychotyratic conditions, eco-anxiety and such. Um, but this gives us a way, or the practical tips and tricks in this book, uh, it gives us a way that we can... Um, sort of uh, make ourselves more useful or uh, uh, more worthwhile in our own efforts uh, to benefit our community and ourselves uh, without having to engage in those, uh, well, directly engage in those uh, long-drawn-out bureaucracies. Well, I'm not saying that people shouldn't... um you know, lobby government or engage with bureaucracies. What I'm saying is whether or not uh, we, you know, the current society manages to hang on and we continue the current paradigm for another decade or two or whether the whole thing goes to shit. I can't think of a better word. I don't think there is a better word. Um, Straight away, we are going to have to work together. Yeah. So we have to do this one way or the other. It's not that this is the most effective way to change the world. It's that that it's, among other things, it's the only way to survive. So the fact that it is going to change the world if we start to do it before it goes to shit is a really good thing. Mm. But if we don't get good at doing it now, if we don't learn to own property communally and so on, then we really, you know, it's convenience and... Um, time that drive us to, you know, use cars, go to supermarkets, use single-use plastics, etc., etc., etc. And so we have to find ways to escape that desire for convenience. Yeah, so do you you feel that uh, convenience is the uh, worst part of uh, the human condition then? Well, it's certainly the... um, generator that capitalism has used to turn us into consumers. Yeah, yeah, true. Mm. And, you know, I mean, we love sugar, we love fat, we love... Well, we're uh, evolutionarily uh, predisposed. That's right. uh, And and so if, if you... If you were capitalism, you would take advantage of all of those things. Mm. It's just natural that you would take advantage. So the society that we've built has evolved. It's not like some evil mastermind got in there and intelligent design and said, I'm going to turn people into large, fat, lazy slobs who watch television and eat fast food out of single plastic containers. I feel personally (laughs) attacked now, Jeff. Thank you. (laughs) We evolved that way ourselves. You know, we, we did it. So, yes, we can whip ourselves and try not to do those things, but it's much better to try and find a positive way out of it. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm quite a normie um, 
uh, as far as uh, mutual aid and uh, activism goes. But I think this book is a really good introduction uh, to those practical things that we can do.